Uh, it's time for our talk now. Um, carry those conversations on at the end. Uh, I'm really excited. Dave, our worship pastor, is going to come to speak to us in a moment. Before that, I'm going to read his reading, which is from Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. So grab your phone, your Bible, whatever you use. It'll also come up on the screens. Let's read it together now. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook and the temple filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Would you please welcome to the stage, Dave. Everybody, how are we doing? Doing all right? You doing okay? Someone's doing all right? Good. Um, so I'm incredibly nervous. Uh, they don't often ask me to do this. I normally say no. Um, but I'm here. So I'm here with you. So I've had a few little nervous wheeze just to get them out of the way. Um, but I'm all right. I'm doing okay. So good to see you all. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, so I'm Dave Castle. Also, I've got the Britney mic and the iPad because I need to have my iPad for safety. Um, so I'm Dave Castle, and the worship pastor here at St. Nick's. Um, that means hopefully, hopefully, I'm helping steward all the amazing volunteers who give generously to serve in the musical expression of worship here at St. Nick's. And they are a brilliant bunch. Um, so we've got uh, people doing sound, we've got soundies, we've got musicians, we've got camera operators, we've got words operators, we've got singers, we've got videographers, we've got all sorts. Um, just an amazing, diverse bunch. And also, how wonderful is it to be led in worship just now by this... Amazing team. Great. And also April. Wherever, where's April? I can't... April. And April, thank you so much for leading us and coming from your own church, Open House, that you lead to come and serve us tonight. It's so cool. And at Ollie and Tim, where are you guys? There's some there at the back. Thanks for playing guitar, guys. Um, we love guitar here. So um, we are so grateful. But I wonder, I don't preach very often. Uh, I think this is my third time ever. I might not get asked back. Um, but can we give the worship team a little bit of appreciation? No, this is not for me. This is for everyone that serves and gives a lot of time and effort and energy each week. Can we give them a little bit of a... Yeah. Well done, team. So I'm also married to the wonderful Florence, uh, or Flo. She is brilliant. Uh, you should get to know her. She's wonderful. I'm a big fan. Um, so we moved to Bristol uh, roughly five years ago. So five years ago, we moved from London uh, to come and be part of the church plant here. So we came all the way over. 
And it's been an incredible journey, many highs, many lows, uh, but God has been with us, and God, God continues to be with us. And this certainly is one like, really big adventure. And, excite, and it's, it's so exciting, right, to be part of this church. I was thinking about this. In the center of Bristol, like, you can't get much more central than this church. It's incredible. It's so good. And we have this tagline that goes alongside our big vision statement, which they mentioned earlier, which is, in the city, for the city. I must confess, we did the sort of... Um, the vision statement thing the other week. I think Victoria's preaching. She was like, right, let's all say the vision statement. And I just totally messed it up. I got like, I swapped all the words around, did a good version of it. Um, but as I said earlier, what our vision statement is, is to play our part in evangelization of the nation. To play our part's important. We're just part of this together with so many other people. But play our part in the evangelization of the nation, which is massive. The revitalization, another one, of the church, you can see how I get this wrong, and the transformation of society. And we have this little tagline, like I said, in the city, for the city. And it's the idea and desire that as a city center church, we would be so for our city to see it and the people of our city flourish. And it is incredible. We have this building, guys. We have this place. What a blessing. Brewdog over the road. I think it's that way. We've got um, Mr. Wolf's kind of three doors down there. What an amazing location, right? <laughs> Blessed to be here. Play our part, helping people find Jesus. Play our part, see churches grow and thrive. Play our part in seeing the most in need in our city met and blessed. So we are blessed. What a time to be here. Let's be excited about that. I think that's really exciting. I think it's exciting the time that we are in and the time that we get to be a part of this. And we all get to be involved, which is very, very cool. So, from our scriptures today, we'll be looking at how God is distinctly divine. And God is, big is, capital letters, holy. And how that leads us into freedom, secures our true identity, and sends us out into the world as God's ambassadors. So as I've felt with every talk that I've ever done, the first three before it, um, this talk is very much for me, as much as it is hopefully an encouragement to you guys too. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of speaking to myself. So this is helpful for me, kind of reminding myself. So let's track this together. Um, firstly, should we just get the Bible up? Oh, that's me on the screen. That's nice. Um, firstly, should we get the Bible up? Um, this is quite a nice thing to do. So if you have a Bible, do you want to open it up? If you, if you don't have one of those paper ones, get uh, the app maybe up on your phone. That's quite good, the Bible app. And we're looking at Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. And I'd love for you just to have it open. We're not going to read it again, but let's just have it open. Um, but it's great. You know, the Bible app's great, isn't it? You get to like, highlight things. You can make notes in it. You can be like, wow, that amazing revelation, Dave. Wow, so good. Write it down. Maybe not. Um, cool. Yeah, so have that open. So just a reminder of that. So that's Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. Just have it, have it there. So the first thing I'd love to encourage us to do is this, to acknowledge God's holiness. So acknowledge God's holiness. But first we must understand what holiness, what the holiness of God even means. So we've been exploring this over the last few weeks. If you haven't already, check out the talks that have gone before. So Toby, Victoria, and Matt have already spoken about this. Check out the podcast, check out Spotify, Apple to find that. They've already kind of gone through this and kind of opened it up for us. But I guess being holy, when I first think of it, or holiness, is it kind of sounds a bit heavy. 
right? I think it sounds quite heavy. I think one of the first things I think of when I think of holiness is the phrase holier than thou. You ever use that? That kind of person who's potentially considered a little maybe pious or judgy or overly critical, super religious, none of which are good things, are they? Or potentially it's the idea of someone who has just done lots of morally great things. They're just such a great person. They are so holy. But as Toby Flint, our, our lead pastor, who's somewhere here, I can't see, there he is, him, me. Um, he opened up the series and he said this, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. He says this, this is our Toby. He says, God is not the best version of somebody we could possibly imagine. God is off the scale, off the scale, off the chart. God is, big is, holy, distinct, and very different from us. Toby went on to say this, holiness is not a descriptor of God, like God is nice. God is holy. Nailed it, Toby. So good. Love that. Did a great job. And then there's another, there's another person that I was reading about, um, Jacob Milgram. He's a theologian. He puts it this way, holiness is a sign to God alone. Holiness is God's quintessential nature, distinguishing him above all other beings. God is holy. That's still quite big, isn't it? It feels quite big to me. But we do see holiness, the holiness of God embodied in his character, the attributes of God, and it's revealed in the Bible, the living word of God. God is perfect love. God is healer. God is creator. God is gracious. God is just. God is good. God is infinite. God is all-powerful. God is holy, distinct, set apart. And in our passage today, if you've got it in front of you, we see Isaiah, the prophet, having a vision of a holy God, a heavenly perspective. And let's just take a look at that. He says this, Isaiah says this, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim with six wings, and it goes on about their wings, I won't say all that. And they were calling to one another, holy Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, Isaiah is caught up in the vision of a holy God. God in the heavenlies. God eternal, God infinite. Always present. You see, Isaiah was chosen by God as a prophet to point people towards the coming of the Messiah, to point people towards Jesus and the Savior of all humanity. And Jesus is holiness in human form, which is mega. It's huge. It's so big. In John 1.14, it says this, the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh, human, and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh, human, walking among us, but he's also distinctly holy. And we get to sing this truth. Music is a, is a, and song is a powerful way that we get to participate in the truth and build one another's faith together. A brilliant song that we know. We sing it here at St. Nick's. It's called What a Beautiful Name. Dense, wonderful theology. The opening lines, you were the word at the beginning. It's talking about Jesus. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. Great, great line. How do we acknowledge the holiness of God? 
Well, if you've ever been to Sunday school, if you've ever done that, it's the classic answer. Look to Jesus. It's Jesus. Sorry, it's simple. It's a bit simple. But Jesus is distinctly holy. Look to the person of Jesus. Sounds so easy, but actually to experience and see the wonder and holiness of God, all we have to do is look to Jesus. So how do we do this? Well, it's through Scripture, through God's living, breathing, active Word. You were the Word at the beginning. Dwell in it. Find some time for it. Love it. Absorb it. Grab an hour this week in the prayer room, maybe just to spend some time in the Word of God. Read the Gospels, the first books in the, in the New Testament, the, the story of Jesus. Maybe for like, you know, the first time ever or like the millionth time. Get to know Jesus, who he is, what he does. Because as we acknowledge the wonder and awe of a holy God through Jesus, we get to experience reconciliation, God's unfathomable grace, freedom, restoration, our unique callings are revealed. I remember when I first started having a go at this, it was when I lived in London, so we used to live in London, and um, this was before um, me and Flo got married, and I lived in this um, tiny bedsit, and I'm not joking, it wasn't much bigger than this black stage. And um, it kind of had everything in it. It was pretty good. I had a sofa that was also my bed, um, which was great. And uh, it kind of sort of operated as a hangout space, bedroom, kitchen. It did everything. It was a very efficient little space. But this is where I first started from some encouragement for some friends, from some friends, to get really into the habit of just opening up my Bible, reading a bit, taking time to be still with God and listen. And it was super hard at first. I was rubbish at it. I still find it hard. But the rewards were huge as I started to press into it. I started to learn how to sit in the presence of God. To still my anxious thoughts. And I had many. To be real and present. And to choose to acknowledge the holiness of God in the midst of my busyness. And as I began to practice this, I also began to hear God speaking to me through the Bible, through the living word of God. It's breathing. The word of God is breathing. It's alive. And it began to change me, hopefully for the better. But I'm still a work in progress, still riddled with failings and fail regularly, daily, hourly. But it's okay. It's a journey. It's a lifetime in relationship with God. So kind of an obvious point. Sorry for the obvious point. But let's find some time to acknowledge the holiness of God through Scripture. Spending time in God's presence. It's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. And if, there's, if, uh, and if that's something you want to do, I've got some practical things. Always good to have some practical stuff, right? Um, so here's, here's a couple. So great ways to read the Bible. Number one, have you ever seen the Bible in one year app? It's brilliant. Kind of does a bit of Scripture. You can listen to it. They talk to you. They give you a bit of commentary. Wonderful. Love that. Check that one out. Um, Lectio365, that's another app. I'm all about the apps. Um, this is a great sort of meditative kind of way of digesting scripture and spending time with Jesus. Love it. It's really cool. Another one. going to give you some more. Uh, read Scripture app. This is by the Bible Project. So if you've been a Christian for a while and you want to go like super deep into theology, this is the one for you. Love it. It's brilliant. It's got these kind of videos, kind of explains all the books. Um, so yeah, check that one out. And also, there's just the good old Bible, right? Just the good old Bible, the one with the pages, you know, the, those books, those things. Um, but yeah, 
give it a go. Maybe read Mark. Mark is the, the sort of first, the shortest gospel about Jesus. It's got all the big hits in it, all the main events. Give it a go. Um, but yeah, I just really encourage you, have a go. So try to find some time to digest the Bible, spending in time, spending time in God's living word. So we acknowledge the holiness of God by looking at Jesus and getting stuck into God's living word, the Bible. Secondly, second point, we need to learn to acknowledge our shortcomings. We need to learn to acknowledge our shortcomings. Get real and honest with God, I've put in like big capitals, partly so I can see it. But get real and honest with God. Yes, our shortcomings, our failings, mistakes, screw-ups, bring them before God. And as I wrote this, I kind of just went, ah, no! It's kind of what I'm saying inside. That was my first response, like, I don't want to do that. That's too real, that's too honest, that's far too exposing on a Sunday. I'm happy not to do that. I'm fine. I'm all good, thanks. Everything's okay. At least that's my response most of the time. Well, let's see how Isaiah responds in the presence of God, in the presence of God's holiness. Let's just have a look at that scripture again. So Isaiah 6, 5 to 7. This is what Isaiah says. He says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Pretty, pretty deep. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I've lived among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim, I think I keep saying that wrong, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs, with tongs from the altar, which he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lip, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. It's quite trippy, actually, isn't it? In this scripture, we see how Isaiah first acknowledges and experiences the holiness of of God. Then next comes the deep realization of how far he is from being holy. He acknowledges his shortcomings, his sin. Not a popular word these days, is it? Sin. But Isaiah realizes he can never match up to the holiness of God. And here's the good news, people. This is the good bit. In fact, it's impossible to match up to the holiness of God. As we've already said, only God is holy. And here's a couple of reassuring scriptures from our good friend, the Apostle Paul. So Paul wrote large chunks of the New Testament, uh, possibly the greatest evangelist alongside Jesus, who was pretty good too, um, to ever have lived. And this is his reflection on himself. This is in 1 Timothy 1, 14 to 15. So the grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a, trust, a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. Phew! That gives me, makes me feel good. If Paul's saying this. We're in good company. If Paul can acknowledge his shortcomings, his sins, so can we. But we do this in the light of God's holiness, in his abundant love and grace. Paul describes in this passage God's grace being poured out abundantly. Perhaps you might be thinking, well, I'm not too keen about this shortcomings thing, sin. It feels like a kind of religious term. 
get me sucked into the whole Christian gig, suck me in? Well, I'll just ask you simply, consider the world that we live in right now. Wars, global warming, economic crisis, racism, greed, injustice, the abhorrent things that we do to each other, the thoughts that cycle through our heads, the things that we say about people, jealousy, envy, pride. We could go on for like, we could go on for days. I don't think you have to look very far to see the obvious outworkings of human sin, the devastating impacts they have on our world and, and human relationships. We live with this stuff daily. And I resonate with this hugely. I only have to look at my own life very briefly to acknowledge my own shortcomings, my sin. Sometimes it doesn't take me long at all. You can ask my wife, Flo. She will tell you all the secrets. And there's a letter, again, this is Paul. Paul is great. He goes on to say that he even boasts in his weaknesses. He boasts in his sin. Here you are, Jesus is speaking to, um, so Jesus speaks to Paul in this, this passage, 2 Corinthians 12, if you want to look it up, verse 8 to 10. Jesus speaking to Paul says this, my grace is efficient, uh, sufficient for you, is efficient as well, um, <laughs> for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then this is Paul speaking after this. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. There's a great freedom and purpose to be discovered in acknowledging our shortcomings, humbling ourselves, and bringing them before God. And God is gracious, wonderful. God's holiness is able to redeem us. This is depicted in verse 7 of the scripture we talked about, when Isaiah talks about this coal touching his lips and being atoned. What, what they're doing here is that they're ultimately demonstrating what Jesus does and has done for each one of us on the cross. He takes all our sin upon himself, purifies us, defeating death, bringing us freedom from all our rubbish. Here's another song we sing here at St. Nick's called Son of Suffering. Brilliant song. The lyrics of the bridge uh, says this, um, and I love it. It says, your cross, my freedom, your stripes, my healing, all praise King Jesus, glory to God forever. What lyrics, what truth that we get to join in with one voice together to acknowledge who God is. What a juxtaposition as well. It's brilliant. Death on a cross it equals freedom. The physical beating Jesus endured, your stripes, my healing. Amazing truth. So as I was prepping for this talk, I started to wonder, why do I do what I do? Why do I work for the church? Why do I lead worship? Well, it's definitely not because I love popular Christian culture. Tick that one off. Uh, that's not one of them. Uh, it's not because it's just familiar to me. It's like my upbringing and it's kind of safe. Uh, it's definitely not because I'm a perfect Christian. Uh, or if I'm scared of doing something different, or because I'm keen of the limelight and can't help but get up here and sing away. <laughs> um, need some kind of ego boost or something like that. I can honestly say none of these are my motivation. Me being here right now on stage, pretty much any time I'm up front, is 100% what I naturally don't want to do. That's why I learned the drums, because I love music. 
You can hide behind the drums. They're really great. They're kind of dark normally. They've got lots of stuff in front of you. Um, that didn't last very long. But yeah, that's why I learned the drums, to get away. But I genuinely think it's a work of God that I'm even here. So I think it'd be helpful, I was thinking about this, to kind of tell a little bit of my story, just to give a bit of context. And some of you guys will know this story, some of you won't. But I think it is helpful. So back in 2014, I just moved to London, not long after a 10-year relationship and marriage had completely fallen apart and ended in divorce. I basically lost my 20s to a lot of mess, made a lot of mistakes in that relationship, which I'm not proud of. And we both really hurt each other. It totally destroyed me, my friendships, my family, my church, my understanding of faith, pretty much everything I had or held dear. And I ended up being riddled with anxiety and became very, very depressed. Uh, something I literally didn't understand until I experienced it firsthand for myself. And I remember feeling like I walked around in a kind of fog. My mind distracted, unable to process things. I'd have these kind of constant panic attacks. I remember I would find myself in supermarkets. They were like my least favorite sort of activity was going to the supermarket, overwhelmed by the whole experience. I was in a bad way. Freedom in my mind, freedom in my life, felt like it was at zero percent. And at the time, I was fortunate enough, I got some talking therapy, had some counseling, which I would recommend to anyone. It is so, so helpful. But I also got prayer. Eek, prayer. That thing we do every week. And I remember one particular evening with friends, they offered to pray for me. And I reluctantly said yes. This was quite a common thing. I would sort of reluctantly say yes, because I'm pretty stubborn. Um, it's a true, true story. Anyhow, they prayed, and it was very simple, and it was very honest. There was a couple of random people there too, so at least they were random to me at the time. They're now really, really good friends. But I remember they gave very specific words, or pictures they felt were from God. And they didn't know me. No one even knew the things that I was struggling with. I hadn't told anyone, but those words were like spot on. And in that moment, I felt known by God. It can be quite cool, actually, when people that you don't know pray for you. That can kind of happen. It kind of reaffirms it in a, a deeper way when they just don't know. And they say these things that are from God. God knows us so well. And they prayed very simply. No crazy prayers. It was all fine. Nothing particular happened at the time. I was like, thank you so much. Cheers for that. Um, but I woke up the next day, and I remember this vividly. I woke up. And it was like the fog in my brain had gone. I was like cognitively different. And I remember calling Flo. We just started dating at the time. She was in like the other end of London, which is really annoying. If you ever lived in London, it's really hard to get across it. Anyway, I called her in the morning. I was like, I feel, I feel so great. I feel so good. Something's changed. And I can't explain it. I can't fully explain it. And I would say now, sort of looking back at it, I'd say I had an experience of God's Holy Spirit, the renewing of my mind, like in Romans 12. And it's led me to pursue what I do now, to pursue ministry through worship leading. And now here I am, talking to you lovely people, which I promise you is baffling. Why did I experience healing in that moment? I don't know. But I did, and it's brought me to that point. Do I have all the answers, and can I explain all the dense, complex theology 
we have to wrestle with. And I do think we need to wrestle with it. I think that is important. No. But have I met, encountered, and continued to meet with a God who is with me, who loves me, who is for me, even with all my endless faults? Yes, I have. And if I was to give myself any kind of positive feedback from that time, like a kind of retrospective pat on the back, well done, Dave, I'd say the one thing I did do was this. I would try, even reluctantly, and I was reluctant, to put myself in the pathway of God. By that, I mean if prayer was offered, I'd try to say yes. If I could read some scripture, even if I wanted to throw the book across the room in frustration, yes, I would try. I was determined to see if this whole thing was real or not. There's a classic C.S. Lewis quote. It's mentioned on Alpha, which is an exploration of faith course that we run here at St. Nick's. And C.S. Lewis says this, and you will have potentially heard it. It says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And this was my quest at the time, to discover, to see if it was important or not, if it had any meaning to my life. And am I perfect and free from, from mistakes? No way. Am I still work in progress, but do I do this in relationship with Jesus? Yes. I seek to acknowledge God's holiness through the scripture, through the life of Jesus, and I acknowledge my shortcomings, my sin before a holy God as best as I can. You see, on the cross, Jesus takes our sin in exchange for freedom. The wounds he suffered in exchange for our healing. That's the God I worship. That's the God we worship. That's the God that we want to lead you guys and encourage you to sing and worship through song to. Giving God the deserved adoration, joining in with the song of all creation sings. We said that earlier. Heaven has never stopped singing and will never Stop singing that last line again. All praise King Jesus. Glory to God forever. So let's acknowledge God's holiness. Let's get real and honest, acknowledging our shortcomings before a holy, gracious, loving God. And finally, my final point, let's worship the holy God. In our passage today, if you're looking back at it in verse 8, it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. We have a mandate as human beings on this earth from God. Check it out, it's in the beginning of the book of Genesis. The mandate is to look after the planet, to see it flourish, to look after one another and see people loved. We're created in God's image to do that. And each one of us is uniquely called to play our part in this. Our life as worship to God is following the calling that God places on us. Here I am, send me. God calls us in so many different ways. It doesn't need to be like getting a jet to like a foreign country and being a missionary far away, although it could be, and it definitely can be. But God is calling, is unique to each one of us, working in all kinds of industries in our society. But I think in discovering that is in worship, in relationship with God, and that is key. And the pursuit and worship of God is the most important thing. It's the most important thing we can do. Jesus says the greatest thing, or I think if Jesus says it, that's a good start. Jesus says the greatest thing we can do with our lives is 
love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. See, that's in Mark. Great book. Give it a read. It's a good one. And it's one big adventure with Jesus. It's exciting. I remember moving to Bristol, feeling called to be here. Flo felt called to start a new business. And at the same time, at the same time as a designer. And it was terrifying. Guys, it was terrifying. Technically, we couldn't even afford to live here on paper. Uh, we just didn't have the finances. It was quite a unique challenge trying to find a flat, if you ever tried to do that. And in Bristol, it's quite hard. Weirdly, landlords are like, not massively keen on like, new business owners and part-time church workers. <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> But can I encourage you that if you feel like God is speaking to you about something new, or you feel called to, to do it, to have a go, to go for it, see where it takes you, bless the people around you with your talents and gifts. Equally, wherever God has placed you now, keep bringing God into each day. Remember, God's calling on your work. Do all of it in worship to God. Here I am, send me. We're called to worship with our whole lives in honor of God, pointing people towards Jesus. So why do we sing? Great question, right? I've never heard about Jesus, like rocking a guitar. He did tell some stories. He was very good at that, which is awesome. Don't think he ever did campfire singing with the, with the disciples. Here's another song about how awesome I am. Not to my recollection, anyway. But out of all the 66 books in the Bible, one of the biggest is the book of Psalms. It's a series of songs written about God, songs to praise God, songs of lament. All spectrums of human emotions are pretty much covered in there. And these songs were and are a way for God's people to unite, come together, remember their God, who their God is, and resound together in song the truths about their God. I figure... Song and music, therefore, must be important to God too. Otherwise, why would it be in there? It must be teaching us something. And I also think music is powerful. It's unifying. It's emotive. It's, it's beautiful. Like, well-crafted songs not only engage us intellectually through the lyrics but written, but they also engage us, our emotions, our hearts too. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Revelation 5.13 talks about all creation heaven, earth, singing songs of praise, a song that never ends, going on into eternity. And on a Sunday, we have this like tiny little moment where we get to be a part of that, which I think is amazing. Music is able to connect us. The amount of conversations I have with people just hearing songs and coming into church, like experiencing the presence of God, you know, being emotional and not knowing why they are. And I think they're experiencing something that's more than the sum of the chords and the notes and the lyrics. They're encountering, they're encountering a unified church, the bride meeting in the presence of God, joining in that eternal song. Music is an amazing vehicle for us to express our love and adoration to God. It's not the only way, but it's a great one. And it's faith-building. I remember times not being able to sing those songs, God, you are good, but the person around me or the people around me could. And it encouraged me. It built my faith up. We get to build our faith up through song. So side note, big fan of David in the Bible. He's got a great name. 
He's a worship leader too. He wrote many of the Psalms and he did some great things. He also did some pretty terrible things. Give it a read. He also danced before the Lord incredibly undignified in worship. Some people really didn't like that. Um, He's also described as being a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't it be cool to be described by God as a person after God's own heart? I would love that. But perhaps in order to do that, I need to be a little bit less worried about myself in the process. A little more undignified in my worship. Acknowledge God's holiness. Seek forgiveness. Bring that together in abandoned worship. God's glory, not my own. God is worthy. God is holy. So some of you might be aware there's some, some amazing things that started over in the States, like in the last couple of weeks, in Asbury University. And um, what's being described is a revival going from university to university. Thousands of young people gathering in worship to praise Jesus and to pray. And it's happening in a really normal honest and real way. It's incredible to see what's happening. And for those of you who haven't like, tracked it, it's a little sort of uh, an explanation of what's happening. So I read this on the 24-7 website. It says, the chapel service, so they're in this university, a compulsory hour-long event that happens three times every week. At least at first, it seemed to be business as usual. That's how they're describing it. But instead of finishing up their final song, the gospel choir just kept on singing. Some students went off to their 11M classes but others stayed and spontaneously broke into groups and began to pray for one another. One student had an 11 a.m. class to get to, 11 class to get to, but she took, as she looked back at that moment, she described what she did. She stayed. And she said this, my heart was hurting. I was like, God, I just need to stay and repent. She goes on to say, that's the first time I've ever skipped a class. Something seemed to shift in that moment. People started coming back to the chapel, eager to get right with God. The gospel choir sang until they broke for lunch, which I think is great. Have a little lunch break. Everyone's got to eat sometime. You've got to do that stuff. But when they came back to the chapel, people were still worshipping and praying. And in one student's words, the piano hasn't been quiet since. And to me, this certainly looks like God's spirit on the move. It's inspiring. It's so exciting to see. The church was birthed from a move of God's Holy Spirit. Check out Acts 2 in the Bible. And there's a song we wrote here at St. Nick's, and it's written about this moment. And the lyrics go like this. Spirit move, awaken sons and daughters. Spirit move, pour out your living water. Spirit move and breathe on us. Breathe on us. New life. Do we want to see a move of the Spirit here in St. Nick's in Bristol? Yes, right? Of course we do, right? Do we need some new life, the breath of God and outpouring the Holy Spirit? Yes, please. We're desperate for it. We want to join in with what only God can do. And here's a quote from Pete Gregg. He's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. And and it's a kind of commentary on what's happening in America. He says, what's happening in Asbury is not everything, but it is something. Right now, we need something to shock the system that this generation can experience for themselves, the life-changing power of God. We need repentance and holiness. We need the kind of outpouring of the Spirit on campuses that can only incubate and detonate a new generation to preach the gospel with greater confidence, 
Fight injustice with greater defiance and transform society with greater intelligence. It's amazing. Pete Gregg nailed that. So good. This is the last bit, I promise, and I will, I will, I will shut up. Um, but we're going to pray. We've got, we've got lots of space today, lots of space at the front. Um, we're going to carry on with song and in worship. But I just wanted to tell one last story. So last, last weekend, uh, I went to Edinburgh, and we went for our goddaughter's uh, baptism at their church. And it was a lovely time. And um, it was so nice to be like in a different environment. And one of the, the great things was one of my best friends prayed for me during the service in the time of ministry. And it was awesome. It was so good. But as he prayed for me, he, he said, I have this really weird picture of you in a big room on your own, dancing your butt off before God. He used a different word, but that's essentially what he said. And as soon as like, he said it, it reminded me of when I was a kid. I think we have a picture that can go up on the screen. There. Look at that. That's the, the small person is me. That's my mum, my lovely mum. Um, but it reminded me of when I was a kid. So imagine this little guy. And we used to go on these camp holidays. We used to go to the Isle of Wight. And we used to, there was like this camp and it had like a disco in the evening, which I can assure you was the most dreadfully uncoolest thing of all time. But I would get up on my own, sometimes with not a single person on the dance floor, and I would dance like crazy. Because <laughs> I loved it. I couldn't care less that what anyone thought about me, and it, it just did it because it was fun. And I was so free. I think children often, not always, but often haven't been tarnished by the world. They have this unique ability to be free. But life can tarnish us, dampen us. Things happen out of our control. We've all experienced that. But we can choose things that damage us too. And that childlike freedom, trusting God, all of who God is, kind of just gets robbed from us. But I think God wants to restore us back to that childlike freedom. God wants to restore our awe and wonder of who God is, the holiness of God. God wants us to joyfully repent. It's a great phrase. A friend said that to me the other day. Joyfully repent of all our rubbish, all our sin. Get real and honest about it. Put down our pride. And, think, and, and I think God wants us to find our place in worship again. Like dust off a bit. You feel dusty. Sometimes I feel a bit dusty. Rediscover or discover our callings again, to experience God's freedom, to seek healing, to give our whole lives and our songs to God in worship. So we're going to pray in a moment, guys. And um, I'd love to open up this space, or we are going to open up this space. I would love to encourage you to receive prayer this evening. We often say if you're a leader, come to the front to help with prayer. But if you're a leader today and would love a bit of prayer, come down too. Come down to the front. If you're serving on a team, if you're playing drums or leading worship or, you know, whatever you're doing, help, welcome. If you need prayer, come to the front. We'll work it out. If there's a practical issue, we'll just sort it out. I can mix sound. I'm quite good at that. I'll have a go. Essentially, don't miss out on prayer. 
Come reluctantly too. That's what I've been doing for years. You feel prompted to respond? Let's receive prayer. Why not? And maybe you might receive prayer and then you might see someone next to you that needs praying for and then you go and pray for them. Why not do that too? Or maybe you feel like God is speaking to you in this moment. You have a scripture, you have a picture to encourage the church. Come and find us at the front. Let us know what it is. And we might share it with everyone to encourage everyone else. Let's be confident that this is a safe place, guys. This is a safe place to come, to be present with God and with one another. You don't need to bear your soul. When I was prayed for those years ago, I didn't tell anyone anything. I didn't want to. I just put myself in the pathway of Jesus, maybe slightly reluctantly, and with some people I knew and some people I didn't, but I was so grateful and blown away by the work of God and all that he's done in my life. So we're going to take a moment to pray in a moment. Maybe um, I could get the band back up, musicians. Um, should we stand? Should we stand? Why don't we just take a moment now, maybe, maybe you just want to close your eyes. I find that immensely helpful, kind of not to be distracted by anything. And then we pray, and maybe, Josh, do you want to, Josh and Zoe, um, well, let me just pray. And then we'll open up the space. Yeah, so Father God, we, we come to you now with all our trappings and failings and all the nonsense that we carry. And um, we just acknowledge you in this moment. You are God that is so holy, so good, so caring and loving and faithful and wonderful. And we come to you and we bring to you all our mess because you are the God of freedom. You are the God of, you're a healer. And we want to just know you more and we bring that to you. And Lord, our hearts ache for this world as well, Father. We ache for the things that are going on and the things that we're complicit to or part of, but also just the things that just happen that just happen. We want to play our part in seeing you move, and we want to meet with you tonight. And um, we just ask now just for your spirit to just be here with us now. And maybe as we just wait in this moment with our, all with our eyes shut, we just want to just, I quite like doing this, just sort of place your hands in front of you. It's like kind of... Um, it's not magic, but it's just like I want to receive something from God. It's like a kind of posture. And let's, let's just, if you're comfortable doing that, just do that. And we're just going to invite the Spirit of God. So calm, Holy Spirit. 
can't do this, you don't want to do this without me. The presence of God comes.